And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, here on the Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce and Amazon. Uh, we've got a really great guest for you today, been, been on Shark Tank um you know coming out of central florida he said he's hot i'm here in the midwest we got like we've had cold bipolar weather um so we're going to chat a little bit about origin story talk a little bit about you know how to develop how to create market share um you know for your products we're just going to get into some of the nitty-gritty as always but before we get started let's give a shout out to our sponsor fullscale.io helping you build a software team quickly and affordably daniel welcome to the show hey thanks for having me yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, Daniel's like, what are we going to chat about today? And, um, you know, I, the, the title of today's episode is how to create market share. And um, I have some opinions on, you know, demand capture and demand generation. And, and, you know, creating market share is definitely demand generation, but there's also just capturing the demand that's already out there. And market share is something that my brands that I'm working with bring up pretty often. Like our, how are we doing compared to everyone else? Like, um, you know, the first time on they're like, no one knows us We're like on Amazon, they're not searching for us. How do we create that? So I want to get into that before we get into like some of the technical stuff, Daniel, I usually have, um, you know, our guests share a little bit of their origin story. And I think, um, you know, that'd be awesome for us to hear. You said it's you and your wife. And yep. how do you get into into a space like this? I think um, uh, I think it's going to be interesting. And I want to hear how did you like, did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur or was it something that kind of just you, you fell into it? So our family um, has been in and surrounded by business. Um, so I credit kind of everything for, uh, to my grandfather um, who had started what we call the family business which was back in 1955 uh, electronics manufacturer and components manufacturer um, so that was a true family business from my dad my mom my mom's side my dad's cousins you know my cousins everybody was literally in the business all day every day you go to work you come home with the same people so uh, i really got a really in-depth look at you know, running a business and kind of what it takes considering my grandfather started it, my dad and uncles ran it, my brother's involved. Um, so I kind of credit the entrepreneurship gene um, with that. And, you know, always wanted to try and do things ourselves to kind of, I guess, maybe prove to our parents that, you know, look what we could do mm -hmm. what you did too. Um, and not that they were, I kind of try to instill that in us. It's just something that we picked up naturally so between me my sister my brother we all kind of started doing our own things and and found our little uh you know path to take so i i kind of credit them with that for sure uh, okay and, and so like let's get into that just a little bit more yeah. like um when did you start on the smart baker project like you know was yeah. that your first project no it wasn't so smart baker started sort of by accident back in 2009 
Um, I went to school and got my degree in computer graphics and design and started a little sticker shop thing kind of out of, at the time, it was my parents' kitchen. Okay. Um, and from just learning the digital aspect of file creation, how to turn that into a product, a physical product, um, help tr all that knowledge was transferred into Smart Baker, which started by accident, like I said, um, kind of out of the kitchen. Uh, my wife was a big baker. We lived apart for a little while. Um, you said I'm, I'm living in Central Florida, originally from New York. And um, when my now wife was up in New York, she would bake a lot. Uh, when we finally got a place together here in Florida, we were still baking. And it was just one of those things, you know, it's the necessity is the mother of all invention. It's that mm -hmm. cliche that is 100% true. Um, we just started making things for ourselves to use in the kitchen and decided to put it online and got picked up by a uh, well, Food Network magazine in 2009 when we didn't have a business, it wasn't a thing. Uh, and we were like, oh crap, let's see if we can capture this opportunity here and see what happens. And that was really the start. It was, we made the cheat sheet apron. Uh, I put it on Etsy, got a call, got in the magazine a few months later, and that was literally the start of the Smart Baker. Um, kind of I love that. It's, it's uh, very similar to like one of the brands I started. when. So Marknology turned seven in August. Mm -hmm. um, and for any listeners, that's my mark, my Amazon agency. But I started another brand in parallel with that because I was just trying to find side hustles, trying to create, yep. trying to like found the e-commerce space and was excited. And I created a I was at a Chiefs Royals game. It was the first time that the Royals had gone long enough in the season into the playoffs that they were at like at the same time because in yeah. Kansas City the two teams share the same parking lot, and uh, people were just tailgating, wearing like blue the the red for the Chiefs and blue for the Royals like at the same time, and it was kind of right. just a time in Kansas City that hadn't happened. I was like, I'm just going to create a shirt that uh, supports both teams, sure. and it's just kind of like a city shirt. Made the shirt put it on Etsy and mind you, like, uh, I didn't know how to design. I had a degree in computer <laughs> right. science, but I didn't know how to design. I, I brought in a friend that I was like, I have this idea. We designed it. I didn't know how to print, you know, I wasn't screen printing it myself. Right. So I took it to a screen printer. Um, I knew what kind of fabric I wanted. So like the softness or whatever, I get it. I put it on Etsy. I got Twitter for the very first time. I didn't have social <laughs> media at the time. Yeah. It was my third tweet. And ESPN, uh, Arrowhead Pride, an ESPN blog, like on the Chiefs, picked it up and posted it on his Facebook yeah. and whatever, like a media company, really. And um, I had several hundred orders for the shirt in a day. And like, shit, what do I do? <laughs> I didn't even have enough. Like, right? I was just like, oh my God, I don't even, I was right. printing labels one by one and cutting them out. And, yeah. like, you know, it was just this thing. And before you know it, you're like, that was awesome. Right. Like, you know, that was stressful and, oh, sure. but that was awesome. Okay. So yeah, the first one was the cheat sheet apron. Cause I was yep. going to ask like, what was the first product? Yeah. So that the cheat sheet apron, the, the story goes, my wife is a messy baker, she, you know, stuff is everywhere on the counter, including the laptop. So the whole idea was she was always looking to convert. Cause like the recipes, you know, it's here's 24 cupcakes. Here's three dozen cookies. Here's a two tier nine inch cake. It's like, it's just the two of us. We don't need that. So we were always scaling the recipes. Um, so I was like, one, you're a mess. You need to like, you need to have an apron. And I was like, you know what? 
like again from my background in the computer graphics and having this the design and graphics business i was like i'm gonna make you an apron i'm gonna put all the information you need on it and i was like when you're wearing it you can just you know lift it up and look down and and you can get your two thousand dollar laptop out of the kitchen and get away from the flour and the eggs and all the nonsense uh, that was really like the main driving force be behind you know getting the laptop out of the kitchen um and then the other part um you know the, our perfect parchment which is our pre-cut uh, parchment paper that we make now for 11 different sizes um the this roll of parchment paper is just so dumb it's just it's a one size that you got to cut up. It rolls back up. You're throwing so much away. If you miscut it, there goes that. So I was the one that always had to cut the parchment for my wife. Uh, and I was like, forget this. Like, we're just going to have a bunch made. I said, what pans do we have? What sizes do we need? I'm going to go get a whole bunch pre-made. Pre and I was like, you know what? I'm doing this. Let's put them in a package and, and, and see what happens. And, you know, so each time we decided to launch a product was really just because it's something that I wanted to make my life easier in the kitchen yep. uh, with my wife. So the best kind uh, of ideas. Yeah. So. And, and then the, everything, again, the cupcake towers that we make and sell that started because we wanted one for our own wedding. We were, you know, we were a baking couple. So like we didn't want the traditional tiered 200, uh, $2,000 wedding cake that, you know, people seem to spend money on. And I was like, we make cupcakes. That's like kind of what we're known for in the family. So yeah, again, I so have that like following the kind of wedding. Yeah, so it's just tiered, you know, uh, graduating tiers and make a nice display out of it. And instead of just having like a table flat full of cupcakes, you can still make, you know, that can be your centerpiece and you have yeah. your other stuff. So I was like, I'm just going to make one. I was, you know, at the time I was working part time at a sign company. So I knew the materials and knew how to make the files, uh, use CNC machines like you see here. Uh, and I just made it. And that was for us. And then I put it on Etsy again because. So do those cut? Do those cut cardboard? The machines behind you are like. So this machine will cut pretty much anything, really. It's a large, very large CNC uh, router table, um, and that's what we use to cut, cut the circles our sheets and... of yeah sheets of material. Um, so I ended up selling the cupcake tower that I kept making for our own wedding over and over again. And then it was like two days before our wedding, I was like. Oh wait! I just shipped our cupcake tower that I need for our own wedding. So running back, you know, making another one real quick. But again, it's just something that we made for ourselves. We there's plenty of platforms. Etsy was great at the time to put something online and see if other people are gonna take it. it doesn't cost you anything until you sell something, mm -hmm. um, and and that's literally you know the starting off point that we had for everything. Um, that's so crazy. Like I think both of our stories having Etsy in it. Yeah. Um, like it was my starting point. And then there, there was some eBay, um, just cause I was like trying to put my stuff up on different marketplaces. And, yeah. um, now I'm all in on Amazon. Um, yeah. you know, I think the reason I'm all in on Amazon for, for a lot of different reasons is, um, the trust factor they have with the market, people getting sure. stuff in a certain amount of time. And it's really, it really changed the, the, the world as we know it for all you'll, of e-commerce. You'll, you'll hear my complaints about it soon. <laughs> oh, I've heard all of them. I'm, I'm telling you, I've been in the space nine years. I've uh, faced every like older yeah. business business owner yeah. that has his reservations. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily like, it's not built for sellers, it's built for buyers. And I think right. that's one of the main differences is right. um, it's positioned in a way to get buyer trust, not, you know, easeability. 
Yeah. Um, but it's a proactive platform. And what I like about that is there's a whole lot you can do to like proactively push versus sure. like some of the others like Etsy, eBay, you, you put your product up and you can do things to make it like look better or like right. present better and some little tags here and there. Sure. But maybe you're turning on like automated promoting, you know, or right. something like that. You're not getting to be really specific, but it was Etsy. And I know several companies I've worked with through the years like do yeah. a major part of their business. Um, especially like it was custom signs or custom what it was like custom yeah i have a whole like a whole nother uh entity where we do all custom products uh, personalized products and it's mostly all driven through etsy because that's the platform that people look for for those sorts of things and although we we do sell stuff on uh, amazon under the custom products um you know, amazon etsy, handmade yeah um etsy's been great for, for that yeah, they haven't really built it out. I feel like Amazon will eventually take on the other yeah. ones like in whatever yeah. way. But it's, you know, whenever I was, uh, I, my first project in Amazon Handmade, I didn't, or Amazon Custom, it's changed names a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know um, how much extra work it would be for these products. And it was actually flasks. Gotcha. And so I needed to add, I had to download all of the fonts like different fonts that Amazon didn't have because you can upload right. fonts if you yeah, want. And then it was like setting all of the specifications of the custom box, right. like for the areas that they can modify. And it was just like, oh my God, this is like eight times the work of like a traditional Amazon listing back then because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but yeah, I digress. Um, okay, so I also one shameless plug just for a local company, I went and toured uh, American Box Company maybe two weeks ago and I've never been to a box manufacturer like you called that. Uh, is a CDC? Uh, CNC, yeah. CNC. Okay, so I don't know what that means. Right over my head. Com computer numerical control. Okay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and for everyone listening, computer numerical, <laughs> numerical control. control. I um, think. But I this, was, this building was like a Walmart super center. Right. Um, yeah. And one of the big things they had, like one of their bread and butters, was um, creating like holiday like gift card display boxes right. or like you know it's like those like store retail store display yep. yeah POP um, displays yeah and it was um it was really really cool like i was just getting to see the technology and see these big machines that were doing like you know yeah. tons of boxes and stuff well a lot of people never think about what it what's involved in making any product whatever it is uh you know we have invested tons of money in equipment and machinery, uh, warehousing, pallet racks, you know, all the little stupid things that it takes and people have no idea and don't understand why a product costs what it does sometimes, um, you know, and that's a whole battle uh, in itself to get people to understand that. Product or service, like, you know, yeah. I try to tell people like, I'm helping you on Amazon, it might take me 30 minutes. Right. It might take me 15. It might take my people an hour. Like if they're working yeah. on what you don't understand is it's taken me nine years of obsession sure. to get this knowledge. Oh, yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and so like if you come up with an idea tomorrow, right. it's the sum of everything you've done before that. that Correct. Kind of made that. idea. Oh, yeah. Possible. That's huge. So. And, that, and that that goes into, you know, the story uh, or the antidote of, you know, your time is valuable and, and people don't seem to remember everything else it took to get to that point. So for sure. I mean, that's like a big entrepreneur lesson uh, in itself that hopefully, you know, people actually listen, listen to. Yeah, no. And I like, I like talking about the real stuff. So, you know, and we get uh, our listeners are, this is a show by founders for founders. 
Um, but I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people listening, um, that are thinking about entrepreneurship or getting into entrepreneurship and, um, letting people know the real, the real nitty gritty behind it. That's why we started the startup. That's why this show started and why we started startup hustle TV, um, was to show people some of kind of those conversations, those ways that we're thinking and like, how do you go about, um, uh, design thinking or like new product design, you know, but I, okay. We're getting derailed a little bit. Yeah. I want to get back to your story. So everything has been created out of a necessity to make something better, like optimize it or make the workflow better. Um, where does, where does, and this was, so I, I don't know where we're at on the timeline, but your first idea was 2009, 2009. Yep. Okay. When did you guys go full time with smart baker? If you want to call it that, because I know everything is always full time. Uh, I'm going to say, honestly, it really wasn't until the, the Shark Tank um, timeline, because that, that happened in 2000 and, oh, it's terrible, 2013, I think we aired and we started that process in like 2012. Um, I know it's a big process. Like, Yeah, yeah, it was. And we were season three, so it's, it's like ages ago in television. Um, but probably more, in my mind, reality TV and all that stuff was kind of better in its infancy stage, like it's when the shows first yeah. come out. Stuff I, like that. I don't like the how it is, how, what it turned into. It even like started sort of around our season, but um, so yeah, we I because so I had my sign business and graphics business. Um, that was always like my go-to thing, um, and Smart Baker was like the side thing, you know that. And then probably around Shark Tank when I was like crap like i'm gonna have national television exposure like i gotta get product i gotta get a bigger warehouse like a lot of things changed like very quickly once we knew we were going to be aired because when you film you don't know if you're going to make it on tv and even if they tell you you're going to make it on tv you don't actually know until it happens you know Mm -hmm. that night um so i don't really yeah it's just like yeah you're along for the ride so i we prepped a lot spent again a bunch of money getting prepared so we didn't want to get all these orders and then be like okay it's going to take us six to ten weeks to get it to you so um because i hate that so i don't want to do that to people but um yeah full time was i'm going to say 2013 when it when it shifted and we had that exposure you can ride that shark wake shark tank wave for you know about a year until the ripples start to kind of spread out and then you you got to start proving yourself as a product mm-hmm. and a business and whatnot and and, and con- convince consumers that you know you weren't just a tv spectacle sort of thing so let's talk about that um sure. so started with etsy was that like did you have a website or like you were just kind of on etsy at the time so like- when we were getting into when we got the call from food Mag- network magazine they're like send us a link to your website and i was like i can't give them this huge alphanumeric link to put into the product on the uh in the magazine so we tried to come up with a website na- or a name of the business first really because we didn't want to corner ourselves and just be like cheat sheet apron.com or we're a cheat sheet apron company or whatever it was um so smart baker came because the thing that we saw is everyone's like oh that's so smart and i was like and you can keep adding things forever. yeah and then it just let us keep going and um so we got a website up real quick i honestly don't even remember the platform that i used it was probably some design online thing um and Which wouldn't have been let's just put it in like for anyone listening yeah. like 2000 if we're in 2009 2000 yeah it was it was so mid 2009 is when, cause it came out in the November issue. 
in 2009. So we were talking um, August, September, we were like trying to get our shit together. So for people listening, like web design wasn't easy. No, in 2009, no, 2010, like, there wasn't I Shopify. Used, like, no, was... I used like uh, some Adobe software that I had learned in school for a minute. Yep. Um, you know, some drag and drop ish sort of coding nonsense is pretty terrible. Threw up a PayPal buy now button and, you know, tried and figure it out. And it was so problematic because our shipping algorithm was wrong. Like everything was just screwed up because it was like, but you got it, but you got it done. Yeah, we, we made it through, which was great. And I was like, oh, that was fun. Now, like, let's get back to life because <laughs> that was terrible for a minute. Yeah. But, uh, no. So, yeah, 2009, we, it was not as easy as it is now. So, um, and, like, those things, those challenges, like, I mean, almost anyone can throw up a website now. Yeah, right. Um, and that's great. Like, it, yeah. it, I'm just putting it in, like, in perspective that, like, creating a website quickly for, like, oh, someone man. reaching out saying send me a link is, yeah. like, I mean, I remember when I was an e-commerce manager, which was like 2011 or 12, mm. when I was in corporate, um, we were on like Magento and yeah, like, yeah. you know, even those things were just like <laughs> brutal. Right. Um, so yeah. Okay. So yeah, giving you a little credit there. I'm giving you a little credit there. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then, um, so then we're in Shark Tank. Um, you had yeah. a website by then. You've had yeah, a website. Yeah, we were up and running, but um, you know didn't pay much attention to it but then when we knew shark tank was happening we switched to um big commerce at the time um they were semi-newish in the e-commerce space you know battling against trying to gain market share from shopify um and they were great they were a great partner in the beginning we were their very first customer of theirs to be on shark tank okay. so they were as excited about it as we were just because they can now claim that they're site can handle or you know their platform can handle the traffic and you know blah 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 uh so that was Validate great them a little bit yeah yeah um we we were on big commerce for years and years they you know we ended up making the switch um last year to shopify just because of platform changes and you know just trying to make things more efficient and whatnot mm -hmm. but um yeah so uh now we're on the shopify platform so you're on Shopify, you're on Shark Tank, you ride that wave for like a year. Yep. Um, so you're getting kind of exposure from the food magazine yep. to Shark Tank. And I'm sure there's some stuff in between. That's yeah, like getting little exposure. articles pop up here and there. Um, but then it was like, okay, what do you do now? Uh, how do you continue to gain your market share and, and show people? You know, we're not a sexy product. We don't do anything super it's cool. Practical. You know, practical. we're a piece of paper and a piece of plastic. And then you know, not that I'm talking derogatory about my own stuff. It's very difficult to sell something that is just the product is the thing. If that makes sense, the material is the product. So parchment paper has been around for a while, you know, and it's like, how do you get people excited about parchment paper? But for us, we put lift tabs in our cake so you don't have to flip it over. Um, and, you know, we just offered a variety of sizes. We sell the story. Um, you know, me and my wife, high school sweethearts, uh, now we've been together for, let me get this right. Um, uh, what year are we in 20? Well, 20, uh, 19 years we've been together. Um, so That's incredible. Congratulations. It, thank you. Way. It's, uh, you know, we were selling the story in order to sell the product. And I think that was very important to get a foothold in the market and, and make a name for ourselves. So then when we started, we decided, okay, great. We 
got our e-commerce footing okay you know we were riding the shark tank wave it's like where do people buy parchment paper um we got to get it into some stores so then you start doing research for trade shows we go to international home and houseware show we get the cheapest booth we can in the worst location ever and it helped that helped validate that okay there are other people who understand the product and that they're willing to you know help out this small emerging business and and get some products in the shelves uh, which was great and really put a uh, our, our foot in the door as far as the retail space goes and actually hitting some shelves and then as soon as that starts to happen you know you have validation and you can sell that to the next person who says well why should i bring you on be like well because they did and they're doing great mm-hmm. um so that that was important for us and you know now we're we're adjusting again uh, in the covid world of you know retail <laughs> dying for a year um but, but more people are you cooking, know, you know, so yeah, like, so that was the other thing. It's like, okay, quick, let's get back to focusing on our e-commerce because we were heavy in retail. Uh, it's difficult for our low price point item, you know, a, a $5, $6 pack of parchment is a really hard sell online when you have to ship it. And mm-hmm. we have to also, you know, uh, recoup our overhead. <laughs> uh, so for us, retail was a huge thing and that's where a lot of our focus went. Uh, and then when we saw, saw it hitting the fan, we decided, okay, get back into the e-commerce world and, and really start, you know, pushing that again. So let's talk about that. Cause I, I, yeah. I, I want to go into some of that. Um, but one thing I would say is, um, uh, a lot of the brands we're working with. So like, you know, imagine I'm in the Amazon space. Yep. If you feel negatively about it, <laughs> um, right. For reasons, but yeah. you know, like there's a, a ton of people that do, um, yeah. some of them haven't tried it. Some of them I've only read, you know, Facebook, uh, advertisers, right. like negativity about it, you sure. know, like it's all the perspective of what size someone's coming from. Right. So right. I, you know, I could tell the story of, uh, well, let's say in a perfect world on Amazon, you get a hundred percent commission because you're selling it directly to the customer. And then, right. you know, they take 15% for the selling fee, 15% yeah. for the FBA fee, you're left with 70%. And maybe you're not selling paper, maybe you're selling a better margined item. Sure. But you're yeah. at 70%. Yeah. And then you've got 10% advertising or 15% advertising. Right. Even if you come out at 55% yeah, at the end of the day, you're, yeah, but like, even yeah. if you do, yeah. that's a 5% growth from your wholesale to your direct to consumer. And we're collecting right. the customer's information instead of office max collecting it. Right. And then like, you know, over time, the lifetime value of that customer can be X. Let's prove that sure. data, 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 data. Right. Um, and so there's like, you know, the arguments are there. You can kind oh, of, yeah can approach it from a bunch of different sides and and it's also stability in some ways like e-commerce in general is stability for brands that have to rely on other stores to sell their product and tell their story one thing about e-commerce and being able to do it yourself is you get to tell a story you want to tell right if you're in nordstrom or you're in macy's or you're in walmart like they're telling your story yeah you're relying on someone else and it's you're relying on someone else and sometimes it's great custom, yeah. like depending on where you're at, sometimes it's bad, you know, your packaging has to do everything. Right. So there's, there's pros and cons across the board. A lot of brands are using Amazon to essentially like you did when you got in that first brick and mortar. One reason that landlocked my apparel company did so well when I launched was I put us on Etsy, eBay. I wasn't even going right. to try to be in any of the stores, even though our city, our city has a lot of pride. And so yeah, sure. A lot of makers were designing stuff. I was kind of one of the first. I'm like brand number three, maybe that was doing local stuff. If I had yeah. to put it in a hierarchy, like right. I wasn't the first, but I wasn't the last. 
and a lot of people are competing for the same shelf space. Yeah. And I was like, well, I know e-commerce and a lot of these brands don't even have a good website. And so yeah. I was selling Kansas City stuff online to people in Florida, to people in Hawaii, to people right. yeah. that were like, you know, people with transplants from here buying. So they, the brick and mortar, everyone was competing. I was selling online and being online, I never even tried to find a brick and mortar. Um, yeah. I just got tired of trying to meet up with people locally. Sure. And so it was actually like all of the brick and mortars that we ended up getting into, I think we're 14 stores. They contacted me because of our online sales. So it was like, hey, this is what we're doing online. Right. This is my sales volume by zip code or like whatever that's happening. And then using the data online to validate the brick and mortar stuff worked for me in the same yeah. way that I think hey, this is what Target's doing, Walmart, you should buy our stuff too. Yeah, and we saw, uh, again, you know, kind of touching on the, the whole market share part is when after we got into some stores, no store is going to carry all your product. Right, um, right. And especially with all the SKUs, that, not that we had a ton of SKUs, but with our parchment paper alone, we had 11 SKUs. Nobody's putting 11 SKUs. They want to know, what are your top three, top five sellers? We're going to put those up there. Uh, so for us, it actually helped us gain more e-commerce business once somebody purchased it at Michael's or Bed Bath or Joann's at the time and looked to see, okay, what else do they have? And with our, you know, you know, branding that we did on online with AdWords at the time and, and just organic SEO, especially from Shark Tank, um, you know, we were able to capture more sales from that initial retail and then that customer then is, you know, now in our flows as far as repurchasing and happy birthday and holiday gifting and uh, or uh, holiday baking and holiday gifting. Um, so it actually helped us re get retain or capture new leads um, and keep them, you know, in the in the lifespan of, of and, and create demand know, for, yeah, for demand other products for, for sure. and awareness. And like, I think there's two sides to that because. Um, I was finding that I had kind of like two hero skews mm -hmm. and, oh, yeah. um, but I wanted to keep creating new product and I couldn't necessarily get the brick and mortars to, um, try any of my new designs. Right, right? right. And a lot of your buying power comes in from them buying in bulk. And then that makes your like profit go sure. up on your own items right. you know, quite a bit because you're able to buy at a higher, at a higher price right. or a lower price because you're buying in bulk. And for me, that was just making better negotiations with the retailers yeah. that I wanted um, to get some exposure, a certain amount of exposure on my new SKUs because it can yeah. prove rather difficult to launch new product. Oh yeah. If you know, it just makes more sense to keep going in on the same SKUs because your profitability is so much higher versus yeah. a new product. But if you don't develop new product, you're going to die too. So it's kind of this yeah, like cycle. Tough. You know, we we suffer from that ourselves. Um, you know, and it's hard again to, like you said, to get stores interested in anything new um especially if you know you're just doing okay there or whatever the case may be but um for us it's really hard because we cater to so many different markets um and trying to keep all those different markets happy whether it's the restaurant industry or uh wedding industry the home baker the executive chefs you know cruise lines um you know it's just we are so focused on trying to gain the market share in each of those categories that you start to lose sight a little bit on the focus because you get excited about one the potentials of one but uh yeah i mean it's a little bit of a pitfall that we fall into a bit but 
No, I think that's great. And it's, it's a really good example of how um, brick and mortar for you guys, um, you know, created created e-commerce demand. Yeah, it did. And it, it helped with our lower cost SKUs. Um, and online, we no store wanted our cupcake towers. It was too big for them, even though uh, every They need to show it displayed and then like... Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it just came to, they didn't want to give up some of the space from the national or the worldwide conglomerate that's big competition um and but that's okay because we were then driving aware you know again we were capturing some of the retail customers through the e-commerce and, and inviting them to browse the other stuff um which is a much higher uh, margin item for us um and although people don't come back and reorder cupcake towers as much um we can totally increase our metrics you know with a one purchase and that that customer now who might offsets have, everything yeah, else yeah it definitely helps for sure so it's good to have for at least for us we definitely needed to, to keep our towers uh going and and not just focus on the one thing that was getting into retail and that you know was getting reordered more and more it's great you know somebody buying over and over again but you know at the end of the year they spent fifty dollars um Whereas if we, if you know, we sold one customer, one right, tower, right, you know, we'll double that. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, every, every, every business and product has and service has its own little, you know, niches to, to work with. But, um, yeah, we were excited about the whole retail game for us. You know, we talked about Amazon briefly and you're yeah. like, you know, I have some opinions on that. Sure. Um, you want to hear? <laughs> yeah, I do. But I, I I do want to hear them because uh, we're coming up on a little bit and I want to kind of, sure. I want to hit a couple of questions yeah, yeah, about do it. one, where people can find you, how they can interact with you too, yeah. like where you're going with Smart Baker. But quickly about Amazon, you know, um, one of the things that we've like had to kind of just learn by doing and helping brands understand profitability on Amazon, you know, yeah. some of them are selling food products and yeah. Amazon isn't, doesn't do the vendor central model as much where you have to learn how to sell right. direct. Yeah. And for us, that's been um creating variety packs variety packs is yes. a great way to get sure. people to be introduced to your new products yep. um specifically on amazon like and then like let's say they bought three different types of paper um and then they're like well i really like the clear or like whatever the see-through yeah. you know then they're like okay we're gonna buy that in bulk next time yeah but they're getting introduced to your coffee flavors or your whatever in a variety pack right. and then using that in the same way kind of as retail to bring them in well maybe your website has they could buy the singles in bulk or like, you know, or like the, the one flavor. So that's been one way with like smaller priced items where those FBA fees or those yeah. storage fees are all the fees built in. Well, you've got an eight ninety nine product. You turn that into a four or six pack, right. you know, and then you've got a product. Yeah. That's, and we do that. We do that ourselves on the, on their, you know, website. Um, Cause we want to drive that average order value up as we start as we keep spending money on ads somewhere or, or just the cost of everything goes up, you know, you want to drive up that uh, cart value. For sure. Yeah. And you just have to be able to, you, you, it's not always like each marketplace or each platform you're right. selling it exactly the same. You know, you've got right. a different strategy for each one. Yeah. I'd love to hear some of your, well, your so here's, here's one of my thing, our cupcake towers. Um, so we have such a high return rate on Amazon or through Amazon because people will buy it use it return it because they can and they will and it 
kills us to see like we start we used to pull the inventory returned inventory back in house because we can sometimes take it apart clean them up for in, and sell the parts for you know replacements we're like literally people are leaving food in it they've spray painted it they've like just destroy these things and like you know they'll just use it and return it because they had no intentions of keeping it because they just were going to throw this party and wanted it to look good and then you know they're done with that item and return it uh, wow so, like what like at what scale is that happening like uh, as far as like return rate, uh, we got at one point when we got really popular, uh, we had about a 3.7% return rate, uh, which Amazon does not like. Uh, yeah. And it was at the time, it was a lot of units and it was driving me insane. I was just and you guys were doing FBA or like the FBA, FBA. Okay. And our return rate on our website. <laughs> zero um because people understand they're buying from a small business i would think i hope um you know or they just they feel a little bit more connected to the brand or company at the time and don't see it like they think they're hurting somebody if they return it whereas amazon they think they're just hurting amazon or, or consumers don't understand that we're behind that that amazon.com wall uh and it hurts us a lot um so that was like a huge issue I was faced. I'll speak to that just for the listeners yeah. like and there's not like one size fits all you know sure. but like uh, another we had a Kansas City brand I won't name them here we had like a high return rate um for specific colors in one product and then um I was really looking at the copy kind of objectively and a lot of our photography our graphics our like storytelling aspects were real salesy yeah. And so we just changed it from salesy to educational and that helped a lot with expectations for the product they were sure. getting. Um, and in other ways it can be like, maybe there needs to be a product insert or follow-up emails or right. certain things like that, that are very much like storytelling yeah. or that are kind of creating that emotional, like I'm going to be returning this again, like the man or yeah. wife business, you know? And so you're sure. getting kind of that touch a little bit, like they would yeah. get on your website um but there's that's not no guarantee that's just sure. like yeah know. and then you know people can uh, one of the other problems we started not i don't say problem uh, one of the hurdles we faced was uh people just like turning off messages from sellers so like you can't even follow up and ask for a review you can't you know make sure there's no issues make sure you got it a lot of the automated emails were just going nowhere they were being uh, they were being abused yeah, so like yeah. for the longest time you know they it's changed a little bit yeah. um it's more like informational touches than review sure. requests um yeah you yeah. know but i would i'd no. be curious to know like um we'll talk at what scale, yeah <laughs> at what scale it was doing and you know like some yeah, of those yeah. things. but i would think like you know those cupcake towers like if being shipped like folded up and kind of diy yeah they're flat pack uh so you know, there it's like a pizza box when you get it, um, which is you know great for fitting. I know quite, I know quite a few like personal, like they're they're growing the business. They're bakers. They're growing the mm -hmm. business. Um, yeah. Like they're using commercial kitchens. Don't yep. have their own kitchens, right. but like you know, growing like a, a pretty and it's like immediately comes to mind. Um, yeah, you know, they're using how those kind of things work. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so what else you got? So that was Amazon. Okay. But yeah. like, you know, I'd love to wrap up just knowing like, you know, what's an S for smart baker. Like one thing I know about landlocked is whenever I started trying to create for other people, I kind of lost my way. Um, and it's always been this like recentering of like, I need to design for me. Uh, right. like, or like what I think is cool or like, um, 
you know, the, what inspires me or like sure. what helps me make, you know, my life better, optimized. And then right. out of that comes my best products. Um, and so sometimes that means I, I'm not necessarily inspired to create anything for a while. Right. You know? And then other times it's like, boom, I've got all these ideas. So what's next? What's next for Smart Baker? Um, it's a good question. <laughs> I take it day by day. Uh, well, you know, in all honesty, we the biggest focus we've had is is transitioning to getting um, products made here in house or here in the states. Um, I think that helps will help us capture a little bit more market share uh, and consumer confidence. Um, but that takes time and money, which is mm -hmm. hard to do. <laughs> uh, but for us, it's really you know I've always said it, and I, I work too much in the business instead of on the business, which is a little problematic as a founder. I'm sure a lot of people end up doing that. And it takes a lot to be able to pull yourself back and get somebody in there to take over some things, but have control problems. <laughs> but uh, so I, we, we kind of let our product idea book grow um, organically as we're in the house. And then when we start to feel like we're in a position where we can actually spend the time and, and resources on it, um, we're going to hopefully launch some new things. But for us, it's, it's taking our current product lines, um, either making them better or offering a little, a little bit more of an added value to it. Um, Again, we don't sell a sexy product. There's not too much we can do to innovate with paper and, and displays and stuff. It, it just comes for us. I, we have a good time selling to who we sell to now um, and, and running the aspects. I mean, the, the main goal really is is find a partner or a business to either license off or sell off, um, you know, the perfect parchment brand um, who can really accelerate it, you know, uh, which is something I guess a lot of people have a goal of is to exit you know we've been doing it for 10 years it's I don't think it's going to go anywhere spectacularly this isn't the multi-million dollar business but uh, I love doing it so mm -hmm. uh, we're going to stick with it but uh, yeah I mean no main you know product launches really we just kind of hear the feedback from people but uh, so far we've been lucky that what we have now is a great core to go off of um, and we've added other products but you know we really like you know the stuff that we have now i love it i love it um yeah. where can people find you interact with you like obviously yeah. i've got smartbaker.com pulled smartbaker up here that'll be the website that's uh, where we find the best deals to get any of our products um you know we're on the social media facebook uh instagram under uh at the smart baker or the smart baker um sign up for our emails get a coupon and then we'll harass you later to buy I, more stuff. <laughs> I love it. As honest as possible. I love it. I yeah. Love it. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, we're, we're not super active on it because unfortunately our core market. Uh, He's busy uh, making stuff. Yeah, we are. We try to get people on there, but my wife, if you go on the site, go to the blog, a lot of the stuff that we have posts and will post recipes are literally done in our kitchen. It's great. Um, I know this might not be the baking people platform but uh i'm sure somebody knows somebody that bakes so yeah no uh, I, I, I already know a bunch so buy it's... some parchment paper it's not just for cookies you can reheat your pizza or your chicken fingers keep your pans clean um you know it's a lifesaver yeah sure. if you hate dishes <laughs> you, know, like, you know yeah. i love it sure. and if you're getting married having a birthday having holidays get a cupcake shower they're great you only need to buy it once it'll last you, last you forever and uh yeah it'll be a perfect centerpiece no, I love it. Daniel, thank you so much for being on the no show worries. and sharing your story. I think um, yeah. 
you're just hearing the authentic story about how stuff gets made and how it yeah. gets created and how something turns from just like yeah. a, a oh, side hustle into a full time thing. I, yeah. Um, email me at info at thesmartbaker.com if you have any questions as far as whatever you think we may do here. Um, happy to help. I know manufacturing a bit, um, design, I'm happy to help you with. You know, I, I love getting into the entrepreneur space, the startup space, talking with people, hearing what they're doing, because I'll learn from you. And hopefully you'll learn a little bit from me. So no, I love it. And one one last question for you before yeah. we sign off. Like as you're starting to bring the stuff in house from the machine the machinery to like creating the yeah. products, like are you thinking about creating products for other other businesses? We do that. We do do that. We do contract manufacturing. Uh, we'll do some private labeling, but literally, uh, if I have the equipment, I have a lot of equipment. I have laser engraver wide format printer, UV direct to substrate printer, vinyl plotters, big CNC machine. We have warehousing, we have forklifts. We'll take your stuff and uh, we'll help We'll help make some things. I love it. That's cool. You heard it. You know where to find him. Uh, all the information will be um, on the stream, in yep. the notes. Um, and if you need, just reach out. It looks like he's he's open to just chatting with anyone about talking sure. opportunities or if you want to carry some of the Smart Bakers products, um, give him a ring. Daniel, thank you for your time. Perfect. Thank you. See you, hustlers. Bye. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.